You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. We're making it up as we go. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that the stories featured can and will contain explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello. Today I'll be reading Flight of the Bombus Impatience, Part 3 of the Undercover Angel series, written by Ellen of Oz. The rating is explicit. The pertinent tags for this fic include Case Fic, Werewolves, Established Castiel Dean Winchester. Panties wearing Castiel. Dean Winchester has a panty kink. Flustered Dean Winchester. Sex toys under clothing. Flight of the Bombus Impatience. Part 3 of the Undercover Angel series. Written by Ellen of Oz. Read for you by Nerdy Nerdenstein. Summary. Dean, Castiel, and Sam help Claire investigate murders in the South Dakota area. If it's not going to be an unusually large werewolf pack that's just about to undo Dean, then it might just be the gift that Cass has surprised him with before the hunt that will. Chapter 1. It seemed like a good idea at the time. A really frickin' great idea. One that made Dean's blood rush in his ears and saliva pool in his mouth. But the reality, he thought, is not ideal. So, Mr. Fenton, you said there were three... Three? Three figures in the ba... He winced as he shuffled his feet, trying desperately to keep his head on the case. Excuse me, something's tickling my nose. He rubbed at it to emphasize the lie. Mr. Fenton was giving him a look that he interpreted as, This dude is two sandwiches short of a picnic. Yes, in the barn. Three of them, but I didn't hear a sound. Dean wiped at the sheen of sweat on his brow, nodding. And, uh... How many animals were mu- He paused, wriggling and muttering, Jesus fucking Christ, before continuing. Mutilated? Five. Mr. Fenton stared at him. Look, is this going to take all day? It's just, I already talked to the cops, and I've got the milking soon. Oh, yes, sorry to keep you. We'll just have a look around. Thanks. Dean shuffled quickly away, about to murder his beloved angelic boyfriend. Yes, the remotely controlled vibrating butt plug was the least favorite of the toys Cass had bought him recently. Please 
the previous day. Castiel pressed all the way in, grunting a little as he did so. Dean couldn't help but stare at his beautiful face full of pleasure. It was like the sun was radiating from around him, and Dean basked in the rays. When Cass lifted his eyes and looked at Dean, Dean gasped with the intensity of his gaze. The angel pulled out slightly, then drove in hard, and Dean smiled as he hit the exact center with the precision that comes with plenty of practice. Ten minutes worth, anyway. Cass placed the fruit kebab down on the plate and picked up another skewer, shoving a strawberry onto it with force. He lifted those deep blues to Dean again and cocked one eyebrow, nearly causing Dean to drop the large knife he was holding still above the pile of dismembered onions. Are you going to chop those, or do you want to help me instead? Even though Castiel's face was blank, deadpan, Dean could hear the amusement lacing his words. Oh, the things I want to help you with right now, Dean murmured, and he was rewarded with a flare of heated interest in the angel's eyes that made Dean's pants a lot tighter than they should be for lunchtime on a Sunday. Jody bustled in, nearly making Dean lose a finger as she whacked him on the shoulder. Come on, she insisted, opening the fridge. Less yapping, more chopping. Grill's ready. She grabbed something from the fridge and headed out again. Dean and Cass both ducked their heads and got back to work, but a few moments later Cass waved something under Dean's face, making him look up again. Open up, Cass growled, which was really very unfair on Dean's whole pants situation. He opened his mouth for Cass to pop a small piece of pineapple in, the tart sweetness bursting across his tongue as he chewed. As Dean finished slicing the onions, Cass placed his plate of fruit kebabs back in the fridge. He leaned up against Dean's back, putting his arms around Dean's middle. His warmth sent shivers across Dean's skin. Cass's mouth was close to his ear as he murmured, I've got something for you later. He placed a light kiss to the side of Dean's neck, then headed outside. Dean stood still, staring at the pile of onions in front of him. The angel did this all the freaking time. It was like he got off on getting Dean all riled up, then leaving him in the dust. He considered ducking into the bathroom to take care of his discomfort, but he suspected onion hands wouldn't be so nice on his junk. Plus, Jody'd be on the warpath if he wasn't out there to help with lunch, so he was going to have to suck it up and pretend like he wasn't rocking a tent in his jeans. He pushed the sliced onions onto a plate, washed his hands in the sink, and headed out the back door. Sunday lunch at Jody's was a rare treat, but one they tried to make time for whenever they were in the Sioux Falls area. Alex and Patience were still living with Jody, so they were usually there, but this time even Claire had graced them with her presence. Dean was pleased to see Jimmy's daughter still taking an interest in being part of their ragtag family. He knew she'd taken it hard after Kaya had died, throwing herself into a stream of hunts. Not even Jody knew how many monsters she had hunted in the past year. But she was here, and more or less okay. At least she appeared to be smirking at Jack as he, in turn, stared at Alex, who was telling Sam something about a patient at the hospital. Dean dropped the plate of onions on the shelf next to the grill, where Jody was busily turning steaks. She muttered her thanks as she wiped the sweat off her forehead, but looked up in protest as he tried to take the tongs from her. Come on, go sit. How long has Claire been back for? Dean asked gently. Jody sighed, relinquishing her hold. She got back yesterday, 
I don't know how she's doing. It's hard to get anything out of her. You know how it is. Dean just raised an eyebrow at her before he picked up the onions and started loading them all onto the grill. Okay, maybe not. She's okay as far as I can tell. Jody looked over to the table. When Dean followed her glance, he grinned at the sight of Cass sitting beside Claire, talking quietly with her. She was turned towards him, interested in whatever he was saying. Would you look at that, Jody murmured. Your boy's got a knack for getting people to open up. Dean snorted. You're not wrong. Don't make a comment about last night, Dean. You're with company. Jody squeezed his arm as she headed towards the table, taking a seat on the other side of Cass. Alex was still telling her story, waving her hands in the air to emphasize her point. But when I tried to get him to lie still, he just started thrashing around all over the place. We had to get three guys from Ward 16 to come in and hold him down. Jack let out a loud laugh, and Alex turned to look at him in surprise. She smiled fondly, and Dean grinned as he turned away from Jack's flushed face and back to the cooker. These two were adorably cute, and he was grateful that Alex put up with Jack's attention rather than cutting him down. He scooped the steaks and onions onto a plate and brought it to the table, where everyone sat to serving themselves with meat and salad. Dean cracked the top off the beer that Sam had brought out for him and took a deep mouthful. He looked around at his family, pleased that they could find these little moments of contentment between the danger their lives were often plagued by. An hour later, Dean grabbed a stack of side plates with the remnants of an apple pie on them and stood up to take them inside, groaning as his full stomach made itself known. He waddled past Sam and Claire deep in conversation and caught Sam mentioning something about the full moon. Dean paused, giving Sam a questioning look when he raised his eyes, but his brother just shook his head slightly and went back to listening to Claire. Dean continued on his way inside, wondering what Claire had been up to. He was pretty sure the full moon was tomorrow, or at least in the next few days. Must have been a while since the last one, certainly. He put the stack of plates on the sink and fished his phone out of his pocket, checking his calendar. Yep, tomorrow night. The werewolf community had been quiet around these parts lately, perhaps due to whatever Claire was telling Sam about. He was sure he'd hear about it eventually. Dean turned when he heard a footstep behind him to see Cass standing there, a soft look on his face. Dean had made Cass promise to make himself known these days rather than just pouncing on him, especially after that one time when Dean had been holding his gun and nearly blew the angel's head off when he jumped him from behind. Dean leaned back against the kitchen counter, gazing back at Cass, who was moving forward into Dean's space and slotted his left leg between Dean's. He brought his face close to Dean's and grazed his lips over the curve of Dean's jaw, making shivers fan out over Dean's skin. Stop that. Dean sighed, closing his eyes and not at all meaning it. People just, just out there. Cass made a disappointed hum and stepped back, nearly making Dean fall forward at the loss of weight against his body. Dean opened his eyes again and tried to get his bearings. Cass started loading the dirty plates into the dishwasher with a calm efficiency as though he weren't sporting the rock-hard bulge in his pants that Dean had just felt pressed against him. Dean murmured, What did you mean earlier? 
that you had something for me. We got an anniversary I'm not aware of. Cass kept working without looking up at him. No, I just bought something for you that I thought you'd like. You'll have to wait until later, though. I can't give it to you with people around. Oh, it's one of those presents, Dean smirked. Since discovering how much he apparently enjoyed sex, Cass had been on a mission to try out different toys and outfits. It was almost like a research project for him, and he was actually scarily good at picking things that drove Dean wild. The cowboy outfit from last Halloween had been a highlight. Can't you just tell me what it is? Nope. Castiel stood up, closing the loaded dishwasher. It's a surprise. You'll just have to wait. Dean pouted, but as he was about to follow Cass back outside to the party, Sam came in with more things from the table. Hold up, guys, he said as he put the sauce and glasses he was juggling on the bench. Cass and Dean both turned to listen. Sam leaned back against the bench, pushing his hair out of his eyes. So get this. Claire thought she'd taken out the last of the werewolf nests in South Dakota, but there's been reports of cattle mutilations in a town a couple of hours away from here. Dean nodded. I wondered what she'd been hunting up here. Sam continued. There were also people killed. At the last full moon, hearts ripped out. She said she's heading out there again tomorrow. Okay, she can handle it. Dean turned to head back outside, but Cass didn't move from his place in front of the door. You think we should go with her? Cass frowned at Sam. What's out there? Dean turned back to Sam to see him grimace. I'm not certain, but it could be a packed in. What? An alpha? Dean asked, surprised. Werewolf alphas were rare and secretive. As far as he knew, no hunter had ever seen one. Legend had it they lived with large packs, helping to look after the young. I don't know, but there were twelve murders in the same night. Does that sound like a regular pack kill to you? Sam stood up straight. I don't want to let her go into that alone. Dean glanced at Cass, seeing the worry reflected in his eyes. He'd so wanted to head home tomorrow, to spend a few days relaxing in the bunker, sleeping in his own bed. But Sam was right. This sounded like more than just a regular pack. No, you're right. Did you already tell her? Nope. Could you work it out with her? I'm just going to make a few phone calls, make sure we've got extra backup if we need it. Sam nodded, heading out of the kitchen into the living room. Dean muttered, Thanks for nothing, Sammy. How are we going to break it to her that her three dads are coming along? Cass just chuckled, but when they got back to the table... He plonked onto the chair next to Claire and said, We're coming with you tomorrow. Dean cleared his throat and shook his head at Cass minutely when both Cass and Claire looked up at him. The family resemblance in their faces struck him for a moment, and whatever he was going to say to reassure Claire evaporated, replaced by a sort of tightness in his chest. It had been a long time since they'd seen Claire. Too long. Claire gave him a dismissive glance and looked back to the man who looked like her father but wasn't. That's okay, guys. I got this. She picked up her bottle of beer and took a long swig. Dean gathered his thoughts. Look, Sam said there were more than a couple of murders. Let's back you up. It's dangerous to head into that alone. Claire glared at him and then looked back at Cass. She sighed, shaking her head. I guess you can tag along. Thank you, Cass said, reaching a hand towards her. 
then withdrawing it again before he could touch her arm. The sooner we get this done, the sooner I get you old guys off my back, Claire muttered. Hey now, Dean began, but he was interrupted by a clap on the back. Jody leaned into their conversation. You guys are staying, right? How about I dig up some cards so we can play a little poker or something? Later that night, Dean joined Cass on their bed after his shower. The angel lay propped up against the headboard, still fully clothed, minus shoes and coats. Dean shucked the shirt he'd worn from the bathroom, leaving him in just his boxer briefs. He crawled up the bed, straddling Cass's legs and creeping up until he could capture Cass's mouth in a deep kiss. The angel made a contented hum, and Dean broke off to start laying kisses along his rough jawline. He sat down on Cass's lap, grinding into the hard line he could already feel in Cass's pants. Cass reached up and loosened his tie, then started unbuttoning his shirt. So, Dean said, pausing to murmur the question against Cass's clavicle before resuming his worship. What's this surprise you keep teasing me with? Yes, you're very distracting. Cass gently pushed Dean away from where he was nibbling on his shoulder, then leaned over to reach down beside the bed. Dean sat back and crossed his legs, wondering what on earth he'd bought this time. Cass came back up with a white plastic bag, which he handed to Dean. Inside was a small box with heavenly vibe written across it in a flowing script. Dean looked up at Cass. Another vibrator? Don't we already have, like, four or something? Cass gave him a flat look. Is this how you treat everyone who brings you gifts? No, Dean replied. Only those who bring me my fifth vibrator. He grinned, popping open the tape at one end of the box. This one is different. It has an app. Dean looked up from his unboxing. A what now? Cass held up his phone. An app to control it remotely. Dean looked back down at the box, then back up at Cass. Like remotely, as in... As in when we're apart, yes. Cass actually looked kind of nervous. It was cute on him, Dean decided. Wow, Cass, this is pretty kinky, even for me. Blatantly untrue, but teasing Cass was his favorite thing these days. Cass gave him a look like he wasn't buying it. It'll be more comfortable than the last plug you tried to wear in the car, he said, like it was the kind of thing they did every trip to the store. He took the box from Dean and pulled the whole package free, then unwrapped the toy from its fabric carry bag. The black silicone gleamed enticingly, and Dean could feel his heart pick up at the anticipation. Cass looked up again, his eyes dark with lust. Lie down, he said roughly. What, you want to try it now? Don't you have to install the app or something first? Dean held out his hand for the vibrator. Besides, it needs a wash first. Who knows what it's got on it? Cass nodded, passing it to Dean as he got up to rifle through one of their bags. I installed it before I ordered the plug, so I could see what it did. He came back to the bed with lube and stopped to remove his shirt, 
unintentionally giving Dean a strip show as he also dropped his pants to reveal the blue satin bikini underneath. Dean swallowed around a suddenly dry mouth and Cass turned around, his cock perfectly cradled by the extra space in the front of the lingerie. Oh. Oh, fuck, I'm glad we got those ones. He managed, and Cass's answering smile was all warm sunshine. Dean made a quick work of a trip to the bathroom and back to wash the vibrator, then handed it back to Cass. He shimmied out of his boxer briefs and lay down on top of his damp towel on a pillow, so his butt was elevated. Cass crawled onto the bed, but moved out of Dean's reach before he could touch the panties. Dean let out a whine, but Cass resolutely cracked open the lube and squirted some onto his fingers with purpose. Dean turned back to hug the other pillow, but let out a squeak as Cass slopped a handful of lube into his crack. Not for the first time, Dean thanked whoever was watching over them these days for allowing them both to have this. Cass wasted no time in opening Dean up, sliding his fingers over Dean's hole to start with, then pushing in gently. The vibrator wasn't huge, but Dean appreciated the effort to make sure it wasn't going to hurt, so that when he did push the toy into Dean, it filled him in a pleasant way, making him moan as it pressed against his sweet spot. A warmth pressed down along his side, a hot breath on his ear. You're not going to make noise, are you? Remember what happened last time, Cass growled, moving off Dean and wiping his hands carefully on the towel. Dean shook his head, trying to keep in the noises he was desperate to make. Maybe it wasn't such a good idea to try this here. Cass, leaning over him like that, had just made his arousal skyrocket, and the rough toweling was almost prickly on his oversensitive cock when he rubbed it against the bed. When Dean glanced back at Cass, he was sitting with one leg folded underneath him and was fiddling with his phone one-handed. Cass looked up at Dean, leveling a serious look at him. Are you ready? Maybe, Dean grinned. Go on, let's see what it can do. He tried not to tense up, but there was no telling what toys were like until you tried them. Cass looked back at his phone, then back up at Dean. Something wrong? Dean asked, unclenching slightly. Cass looked confused. Can you feel it? He asked, placing his free hand on the end of the vibrator, not in Dean. The toy wasn't vibrating, unless it was on some ultra-low setting. It's not doing anything yet. Can you turn it up? It's already on a high setting. Cass tapped at his phone a few times, then picked up the box to look at it. Something fell out onto the bed. What's this for? Dean twisted around to look at it, frowning at the flat rectangle with what looked like a power cable running out of it. He snorted a laugh. It's the charger, Cass. We need to charge it before it'll work. Cass frowned down at the charger. Oh, but there's no plug, and the vibrator is waterproof. Dean rolled over, leaning on one elbow to prop himself up. I'm going to have to hand in my man card here, but are there instructions? Cass handed over a small booklet, and Dean thumbed through the first few pages. Says here it's magnetic. You just put the thing on that thing and it'll charge. He looked up at Cass. Actually, I think Sam has something like that for his phone. Oh. Cass looked disappointed. Should I take it out? Dean frowned. They'd got this far. It seemed a shame to stop now. 
before he'd even had a chance to check out the shiny panties barely covering Cass's straining erection. He leaned forward onto his elbows, resting his cheek on Cass's knee. It feels pretty good in there already, and I really want to take a closer look at these. He shuffled his head forward until he was nosing along Cass's satin-clad length. He heard Cass suck in a breath, and the sound sent his softened cock surging back to hard. Dean reached one hand up to gently move the satin to one side so he could lick a stripe up the exposed smoothness. He moved his fingers gently along the fabric, cupping Cass's balls and squeezing gently at them. He had to hold in a yelp as he felt pressure on the plug behind him. Cass had managed to grip the slippery end, and when he started moving it gently back and forth, Dean saw sparks behind the eyelids he had just jammed shut. There was no way he was going to last long, and the damn thing wasn't even vibrating yet. Dean freed Cass from the confines of the satin and shoved him into the back of his throat without preamble, mostly to stop himself from crying out. Cass, meanwhile, was gradually increasing the pace of the thrust with the plug, letting out encouraging sounds. The vibrator seemed to be grazing Dean's prostate every time, but not quite enough to send him completely over the edge. He doubled down his efforts to move his tongue around Cass's head and down into the back of his throat, and it wasn't long before Cass had stopped moving the plug and had the fingers of his other hand tangled in the hair on the back of Dean's head, holding him gently but firmly as he moved up and down. Cass tensed up, Dean taking that as a sign to shove his mouth as far down as he could, and as Cass came hard, he choked it down. After only a short pause, Cass grabbed the end of the plug again and started shoving it in and out with force. Dean gasped so hard he actually spat out Cass's softening cock and had to stuff his hand over his own mouth to stop himself from screaming. He grabbed his own cock with the other hand and in only a few frantic strokes was coming onto the towel in thick white stripes. He slumped boneless onto the bed, Cass spooning up behind him. Dean's heart was still racing in his chest when Cass murmured in his ear, You're still going to wear it tomorrow when it's charged, right? Dean chuckled, You kinky fuck. Yeah, I'll wear it, but you better not make it vibrate when I'm trying to talk to anyone, or if Sam and Claire are around, okay? Okay. Cass kissed the back of Dean's neck gently. Fuck, his kinky angel was going to be the death of him. Chapter 2 Dean shifted uncomfortably as he pulled up his suit trousers. Are you sure I have to do this today? We're going after werewolves, remember? Cass looked up from the bag he was packing. It's not the worst thing you've worn in the car, Dean. Dean conceded the point with a half shrug. He knotted his tie, lost in fond memories. Cass shouldered the bag and turned towards him. How does it feel? It's fine. Pretty comfy, all things considered. Dean shifted slightly in place, but on the whole, the plug felt a little tight, but fine for now. Cass looked over at him, a mischievous look in his eye. Can I turn it on now? Dean eyed him, not sure it was a great idea, but Cass honestly looked like a kid with a new toy, and how could he deny that? 
Okay, but just for a test, okay? I ain't walking out there buzzing. Cass was already thumbing at his phone. Dean nearly doubled over as it hit him without warning. A relentless pulsing vibration, sending a jolt of lightning into his prostate every other second. Holy shit, Cass, that might be a little, a little high. Dean stammered out. He looked up again to see Cass watching him hungrily, but his eyes widened and he looked back down to the phone. Dean sighed in relief as the vibrations abruptly ceased, and he sank onto the bed behind him, a calm serenity filling him at the lack of sensation. I'm sorry, Dean. I think that must have still been set to high from last night. Cass's voice had a rough edge of arousal to it. He didn't sound sorry in the slightest. Dean gave a short laugh. Maybe something a little lighter. A gentle buzzing sensation started up this time, as Cass looked up with a questioning eyebrow quirk. It was pleasant, in a way that made his cock twitch with interest, but not much more. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Mm. He closed his eyes and rocked back slightly on the plug. The sensation stopped. He opened his eyes and frowned to see Cass pocketing his phone. Cass turned towards the door, reaching down to pick up Dean's bag. It's quiet, too. I'd hoped that would be the case. He looked back at Dean over his shoulder, adding, We'd better get downstairs. They might come looking for us. Dean got up and donned his suit jacket. No surprise buzzing, right? I'm fairly sure I turned it off correctly, Cass said as he opened the door and stepped out into the hall. Downstairs, Claire and Sam stood up from their seats at the kitchen table. Claire waved a hand at them. Finally, I was about to come up and tell you to put him away. Claire, Sam began, but just shook his head at her when she whirled back to look. He looked to Dean and Cass. You good to go? Sure, Dean said with a glance to Cass beside him. He tried hard not to shift on his feet, but he could swear he felt the plug buzzing gently. Or maybe he was just imagining it after the high-intensity version earlier. He wasn't sure. He tried to pull his mind back to the job. So, uh, where are we headed exactly? Wooddale is where the murders were, about an hour and a half from here along the I-90. The farm with the latest cattle mutilations is a few miles outside of town, I think. I'll text the address if you want to go there first. Sam spoke up. Actually, it might be more efficient if we split up to start with, since there are more of us. Claire, why don't you take Cass and go to the last murder scene? Dean and I'll go ask around the dairy farms and see if we can confirm werewolves. Dean could see Claire was uncomfortable with her case being taken over, but she gave a half-nod-shrug combo. Sounds like a plan. Come on, Cass. She turned and headed for the door, stopping to give Jody a quick hug as she came into the kitchen. Dean turned to Cass and Sam. Are you sure about this man? I feel like she's going to need the backup for the murder scenes. It was Sam's turn to shrug. I figured Claire could use some time with Cass. We'd barely seen her for so long. Castiel was nodding. It's okay, Dean. I'll catch up with you later. He raised his eyebrows in his unsubtle way, one step shy of a nod and a wink. Dean pouted at him slightly. He knew that Cass had planned for a little fun time in the car, but he guessed they could do that later. He squeezed Cass's bicep gently and leaned in for a gentle kiss. Okay, later. Cass hugged Jody as well on his way out, 
and then she stepped forward to join Dean and Sam. Thanks for going with her, Jody said quietly, looking over her shoulder briefly to make sure Claire had gone out to the cars. I've been so worried. She's not the most communicative at the best of times. But her being here this weekend has been a big step, you know. We'll look out for her, Dean promised, leaning forward for a hug. Jody turned to Sam, smiling up at him before dragging him down for a squeeze. I know you will. And look after yourselves, too. We always do, Jody. Sam smiled warmly, enough that Dean looked twice at their interaction. Was there something going on here? His first reaction was almost a shudder. Jody had been their support system for so long now, she'd basically been another mom to them. But whatever, he filed that little observation away to tease Sam about later, and shouldered his bag to head outside to his baby. The highway to Wooddale was long, straight, and mind-numbing, which made it all the more of a shock to the system when, after perhaps an hour on the road, the vibrator started up. Dean nearly jumped out of his seat, swerving slightly and making Sam look up and throw out an arm for stability. Fuck, Dean, what was that? Sam asked, retrieving his phone from the footwell. Dean gritted his teeth as the vibrations died away. Jesus Christ, that felt good, but he silently braided Cass. He knew Dean was in the car with Sam. What was he playing at? Sorry, thought I saw something on the road. Sam went back to whatever he was looking at on his phone, and Dean tensed again as another wave of vibrations hit him. He shifted slightly on the seat, but managed to stay in his lane this time. The buzz wasn't strong, but he could feel a gradual ramping up of heat low in his belly that could get out of hand real fast. The buzzing stopped abruptly and Dean tried hard not to sigh in relief. Sam looked up again. Is your phone ringing? Dean glanced over quickly. The vibrator was quiet, but the actual vibrations might well have carried through the seat. Uh, no, I don't think so. You sure? I thought I felt a buzz. Maybe. I'll check it when we get there. Dean hoped to God, if he was even listening anymore, that Cass had turned the vibrator off again, because he was going to have a hard time continuing explaining his way out of this. Then he remembered he actually had a direct line to Cass, not that he'd used it in a while. He prayed with his eyes wide open, trying to simultaneously concentrate on the road. Cass, I love you, but please, no more. I can't handle it while I'm driving. Not for the first time, he wished Cass was somehow able to telepathically send him a message back, but of course there was nothing to do but hope he'd been heard. Do you mind if we make a stop at a roadhouse? He had to take the thing out, even if it was now turned off. Sam looked up in surprise. We're nearly there, and there's nothing around here anyway. Just pull over and go at the side of the road. No, oh, man, have a bit of class. There was no way he could tell Sam that was certainly not an option. Well, you're going to have to hold on until we get into town, then. Sam turned back to his phone with a snort. What are you, five? Shut up, Dean frowned, vowing to call Cass as soon as they arrived. 
they made it to the farm without any further vibrations, and Dean had never been so glad to get out of the car and away from Sam's lecture about some podcast he started listening to about detectives and angels. Sounded like a load of bullshit to Dean, even if Sam was insisting one of the characters sounded just like Cass. Because if he was honest, he would, on occasion, happily listen to Cass reading the Men of Letters' dusty old textbooks. But on the whole, he had enough people talking in his ears all the time, and even if he knew how to listen to a podcast, he didn't want to. The farm was all sprawling, grassy fields, a large dairy standing next to the larger barn. Cows stood in the field nearby, ready for their afternoon milking like clockwork. The late spring afternoon sun felt good on Dean's face as he stretched his limbs after the car trip. He dialed Cass, but it went to voicemail after a couple of rings. He frowned at the phone, then tucked it into his coat pocket. According to the police report, there were several cows reported dead and mutilated about a month ago. Plus, the farmer reported seeing intruders. Sam read the report from his phone as they walked through a gate and up a winding path through gardens around the white weatherboard farmhouse. Intruders? Like humanoid ones? Dean stepped around a yellow, toddler-sized tricycle that sat in the middle of the path. They got kids here? Sam looked up just before he tripped over the trike. I guess. And yeah, he thought there were people. I'm guessing our werewolves. Knocking on the door brought out a middle-aged couple, and no sign of any children. Dave and Irene Fenton lived alone, but their children and grandchildren had been visiting, hence the toys scattered around the garden. "'I'd really like to find what has been killing our cattle,' Irene said, concerned clear on her face. "'I don't want the little ones around here if there's a wolf or something.' "'I'm sure the gentleman can get to the bottom of things,' Dave assured her, eyeing Sam and Dean like he wasn't so sure about that. Come on, I'll show you around the barn. Sam stayed on the step for a moment as the farmer couple stepped down with Dean to the path. Actually, Miss Fenton, would you mind showing me where you found the dead cattle? If that's all right, of course. Sure, she agreed, and took Sam around to the left into the nearest field. Dean had followed Dave into the barn before the vibration started again, a higher intensity this time than it had been in the car, making him nearly drop everything in his hands. He managed to fumble a catch of his phone before it dropped to the gravel floor, but his questioning of the farmer was punctuated by intense pulses against his prostate that sent electricity zinging to his extremities. Dave eventually asked, Look, is this going to take all day? I just, I already talked to the cops and I got the milking soon. Oh, yeah, sorry to keep you. I'll just have a look around. Thanks. Dean hobbled away, praying furiously to Cass. Castiel, stop that right now. The vibrations faded away abruptly, and Dean leaned with his hand against a nearby support post, collecting himself in the sudden calm. What the actual fuck was Cass playing at? Dean heard footsteps and managed to stand up straight and pull himself together as Sam came around the corner into the barn. He eyed Dean curiously. You okay? Yeah, all good. Just about to have a look around. Dean attempted nonchalance. You look a little pale. I can finish up here if you want. Sam started to look around the barn, moving toward the large tractor parked inside. I'm fine, Dean insisted, although the buzzing had started again, low and relentless. A prickling spread over his skin, 
starting at the base of his spine and traveling upwards as he moved to follow Sam. He was absolutely not aroused right now. See anything out in the field? Nope. The corpses were long gone, obviously, but there was nothing to see where Dave found them. Sam crouched to examine something on the mud-streaked floor. Dean swallowed hard, desperately ignoring the building pressure. Weirdly, his dick wasn't joining the party, probably kept down by his panic. He had to admit the whole ordeal felt amazing, but he did not need this right now. He concentrated on the floor around his feet, trying to breathe slowly. Think unsexy thoughts. Sam in a clown outfit. Garth the weird-ass puppet. The president. That last one seemed to do the trick, making him frown to himself. Dean? Sam said just behind him, making Dean startle. Sam asked skeptically, You sure you're okay? Fuck his overly perceptive brother. You're right, I'm not great. Must have eaten something that didn't agree with me. I'll just... He turned and hightailed it out of there just as a more intense wave hit him, and he nearly fell to his knees with the hit to his nervous system. He stumbled back out to the car, slumping against its side. He fumbled his phone out of his pocket and furiously brought up Cass's number. Hello, Dean. He answered, calm as ever. We've run into some problems. Would you shut the fuck up and listen to me? Turn it off. For fuck's sake, turn it off. Dean stopped short for a moment, disoriented by a sense of deja vu. The vibrator? It is off. Is this what you've been praying to me all day about? I've been busy. I... Yes, the vibrator, Dean hissed. I've been trying to talk to people and it just... I mean, it feels amazing, but please, just turn it off. Hold on. Cass paused, obviously looking at his phone. Dean heard him say from a foot away, Can I do this while you're on the phone or do I need to end the call? Yes, just... Do it! The vibrator had started up again, so hard that Dean could feel it in his teeth. There was a click, and then the line went dead. Cass? Cass! He'd hung up. He leaned on the side of the car while he waited for Cass to work out what was going on with the app. He wished he could take the damn thing out, but he wasn't going to get a chance until they got to town and found a bathroom. Even though it had stopped for now, the thing was doing a brilliant job of edging him along just right and his cock was finally getting on board and starting to make itself known. If he didn't stop this soon, he was going to have a wardrobe situation. If he was honest, he would have been turned on a lot more by the whole situation if his brother hadn't been currently striding towards him across the gravel drive. Sam gave him a concerned look and held out his hand as he approached. Keys. What? You're in no state to drive. Hand him over. Dean dug out his keys and threw them over. Maybe Sam was right. If he was hit by another big wave, he might drive them right off the road. He slid into the passenger seat and immediately pulled out his phone, texting Cass. It's still on. I'm sorry, Dean. It was set to random, but I'm sure it's off now. Are you on your way? Come to the sheriff's office. They pulled into the lane away from the farm, and Sam glanced over. Is that Cass? The sheriff's office. Dean replied, tried to make himself comfortable, or as comfortable as he could when the vibrator was buzzing gently, making his blood fizz. Thankfully, the township was only a few minutes up the road, and they spotted Claire's red Subaru parked along the main road outside the sheriff's office. Once they were parked, Dean practically flew out of the car and up the steps to the building, throwing open the door. 
Cass and Claire were standing nearby, talking with an officer. When Cass heard the door open, he rushed over, pulling Dean into a tight hug. The angel's breath was abruptly in his ear as he asked quietly, Are you okay? Dean huffed. No. Cass gave him such a stricken look that he had to catch his breath. Dean rested his forehead against Cass's, not even caring what it looked like to the assembled office, and murmured, Are you sure it's off? Because it's not. Cass placed a palm gently on Dean's face. Let me check. He pulled back and fumbled with his phone as Sam came in behind them. Hi, Claire, Sam said, moving forward. Claire nodded to Sam and gestured to the man standing next to her. This is Sheriff Johnson. Sam took the offered hand. Hi, I'm Agent Gillen, and this is my colleague, Agent Blackmore. Dean stepped forward to shake the sheriff's hand. The sheriff nodded. Nice to meet you. He turned back to Claire. Did you fill them in at all yet? Claire glanced at Sam, then Dean. No. As the sheriff began to speak, Cass nudged Dean and showed him his phone. An app showed on the screen, presumably the control for the toy, with a large dot illuminated next to the random option. Cass pressed it so that it was no longer selected and locked his phone with a troubled expression on his face. Dean squeezed his forearm and mouthed, Thank you before turning his attention back to the sheriff. They don't take kindly to strangers, the sheriff was explaining. Perhaps we can talk to them in the morning, though. Now's not a good time with the full moon and all. Sam was nodding. Thanks for filling us in. Is there a motel around here we could stay the night? Sure, there's one up the road, the sheriff replied, smiling. Come on, I'll show you the way. He walked past them, heading for the door, and Sam and Claire followed closely. Dean hung back, grabbing Cass's arm again. He spoke quietly, leaning into Cass. It's so good, but I can't handle it anymore. I'm so sorry, Dean. We can deal with it at the motel, okay? Dean nodded as they left the building and walked down the stairs. The vibrator started up again obnoxiously, Cass giving Dean a look of horror as he shuddered in place. How the fuck was the infernal thing still on? Was it possessed or something? Sam spoke when they were all standing on the sidewalk. You got a lot of bees around town at the moment, Sheriff? Dean focused all his energy on not coming in his pants as the vibrator pulsed insistently against his prostate. No more than usual, but there are plenty around this time of year, what with all the flowers. The deputy nodded thoughtfully. You like bees, Agent? Sam's reply registered on the edge of Dean's consciousness. Oh, it's just I've heard a lot of this weird buzzing noise all over town this morning, but I haven't actually seen any bees. Dean's eyes flew up to look at Sam, horrified. He turned to Cass just as Cass turned to him, and their half-second glance conveyed quite clearly, oh, fuck. There it was, the slight widening of the eyes that Dean knew meant Cass was falling into strategist mode. Uh-oh. Before he could pray to Cass to not speak... Cass opened his mouth and started talking. Ah, uh, yes, there are over 30 different types of buzzing insect common to this region. It could have been any of those that you heard, although many of them are actually classified as wasps. Cass? Dean tried to interrupt, but Cass barreled on. But of course, the loudest of all is the common bumblebee, the bombus and patience, which is... Excuse me, Sheriff. They all turned to look at the new speaker a young, fit-looking man standing nearby. Are these the folks that wanted to speak with Father? 
The guy smiled, baring his long, pointed canines. Werewolf. Dean turned back to the sheriff in time to see him nod. That's right. He'll see you now, the guy said, and turned, heading back up the path. Claire and Sam exchanged a look and moved to follow. Dean let out a small whine, and with Cass's palm on his back, he and Cass did the same. Chapter 3 In Dean's experience, werewolves were predictable creatures. Once a month, they hulked out and tried to kill anyone in sight, and occasionally at other times, too. He and Sam also dealt with packs that avoided killing humans and actively forbade turning anyone, like Garth and his new family. This pack seemed to be something new. The guy who led them away from the main street didn't seem worried to be leading a bunch of hunters into his territory. In fact, he was quite pleasant about it, chatting with the sheriff about some weather crap as they ambled along. The vibrator pulsed again and Dean let out a sound that was definitely not a yelp as he grabbed Cass's forearm beside him. It's still on? Cass asked quietly, incredulously. Yes, Dean hissed as fireworks exploded up his vertebrae. If it doesn't come out soon, I'm going to need a dry cleaner. Cass pulled his phone out of his pocket again and fired up the app. The random setting is back on. I'm sorry, it must be faulty or something. He toggled the setting off again. Dean wiped a trickle of sweat away from his temple, but as he glanced at the phone, he noticed something at the bottom on the screen. Before Cass could lock his phone, Dean grabbed his wrist. Wait up, can I see that for a second? Cass passed him the phone and he scrolled the screen up slightly, revealing a large button that said apply. He pressed it, and the vibration slowed and stopped completely. He sighed in complete and utter relief. That had to be the end of it, surely. Oh. Cass was still looking at the screen when Dean glanced at him again. Dean, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that. Dean grinned. It's fine, Cass. The app has a dumb design. The hilarity of the situation hit him and he laughed loud enough for Sam to turn around and look at him quizzically. Seriously, Dean, what's gotten into you today? You've been acting weird all day. Dean turned to Cass. What's gotten into me? He bent over in a laugh, and when he looked at Cass again through the tears in his eyes, the angel was grinning too. Now Claire was eyeing them dubiously as well. Are they always like this? She remarked to Sam. Most of the time, yeah. Sam shook his head. I'd rather not know. Mood, Claire muttered, and turned back to where the werewolf was opening a gate in an unassuming suburban neighborhood for Sheriff Johnson. Dean wiped his eyes with one hand and leaned in close to Cass. Dude, it might be off now, but I've been so seriously on all day. You know what I'm saying? Yes, Dean, I've been the same. At Dean's incredulous expression, he amended, well, maybe not quite the same. The house they were approaching was large, a two-story gabled affair with blooming roses and raised beds below a wide porch. Waiting on the steps were two more werewolves, one a broad-chested, scowling male with his arms crossed, the other an older man with a stoop. The older man stepped forward to shake the sheriff's hand. Joe, 
How's things in town? His voice was quiet, calm, but powerful. Dean stood up straighter, almost without meaning to, and winced at the clinch against the plug. Now it was just getting uncomfortable. Not bad, thanks, Abel. These agents here are visiting. Mind if we have a quick chat? Sure, we can sit up here on the porch. The men moved away from the entrance to a wicker two-seater and a few armchairs that were lined up under the windows. Abel waited until they were all settled on chairs, then asked, What brings you ladies and gents here today, then? The sheriff began, sounding apologetic. As you know, there have been a few murders in town this week. These agents are following up. Abel smiled patiently. We already told you that we don't know anyone who would do such a thing, Joe. That's right, you did, but I thought it'd be best if they heard it right from you. Very well, the old werewolf said, turning to the rest of the group. What would you like to know? You're the Pax Alpha? Dean asked, the question on the tip of his tongue since they arrived. The sheriff and the two werewolves all frowned, and the sheriff said, It's not real polite to ask that, Agent. Abel interrupted, It's all right, Joe. I'm an Alpha, and our pack leader, yes, but I'm not the Alpha. I think she was going to come out as well, in fact. It's nearly time. As he spoke, the front door opened and a woman came out, younger than Abel, but Dean thought she must be around his own age. She was beautiful, with full hips and bright eyes and a smile that lit up the evening. Dean tried to make himself look away and stop staring, but he couldn't help it. What's going on out here? Sheriff, how's tricks, sweetheart? The sheriff jumped up to kiss her on the cheek and muttered an evening, ma'am. Dean noticed that Abel and his surly friend were also looking down, away from her. When Dean looked up again, she was looking right at him, her eyes large and ringed with gold. The afternoon sun caught in her hair, almost giving her a halo of flame. As she looked over each of them, Dean felt cast tense beside him. Her eyes landed on Claire, and she inhaled deeply, making Dean flinch. She smiled, sharp canine showing beneath her lip. Claire Novak, isn't it? Welcome. I'm Maria. I heard you've been hunting my kind around here lately. Claire glanced around at Dean, then Cass and Sam before looking back to the woman, still standing in the middle of the porch. She mumbled, Um, hi, this is awkward. The were-alpha laughed. Dean had no doubt that's what she was. Now, her presence was commanding, solid. Similar, he guessed, to the vampire-alpha they'd met years ago. She kept looking at Claire as she spoke. You're doing us a favor, in fact. This pack doesn't kill humans anymore. And we have an arrangement with the local authorities. Her eyes fell on the sheriff and he shifted under the scrutiny. So have you found the wolves who murdered the poor townsfolk? Dean shook himself out of his daze. The case. He spoke up. Um, uh, we were hoping you might be able to help us with that. He was caught in her piercing gaze again, his heart picking up so he could almost hear it rushing in his ears. Maria's eyes turned to Cass after a few seconds' pause. You should take your mate home, Angel. He's in danger around here when he's in heat. Dean's jaw dropped open, but Cass nearly jumped out of his seat. How dare you, Cass growled, and it was just about the hottest thing Dean had ever heard. They all fell still when a chilling sound rang out across town, the howl of a wolf. 
The three werewolves looked up and away to the east, listening. Maria turned abruptly. Never mind that now. The sun is set. It's starting. Come, you can join us. Dean looked at Sam, bewildered. Wait, what's starting? Maria and the other wolves moved down the porch, and Sam stood up at the same time as the sheriff did. The sheriff offered Claire a gentlemanly hand to help her up, saying, The pack has a ceremony each full moon to renew their pact. The moon's rising. Oh, Dean said as he and Cass stood to follow the others down the stairs and along the path around the side of the house. The backyard was dim in the early twilight, with large trees hanging their branches over the space. Lanterns hung from the branches to light the space beneath, but Dean heard them before he saw them, a large group of people greeting each other and talking. As Maria approached the crowd, she raised her arms and the crowd fell silent, all turning to face her with an eerie synchronization. Dean moved around the side of the yard to stand awkwardly, with Sam, Cass, and Claire, curious as hell but equally creeped the fuck out. "'Friends!' Maria spoke, her voice carrying easily in the still evening. The moon has risen. You know the stories, the vow of our people. We have chosen to live in peace with our non-wear neighbors, and I ask you to join with me in reaffirming that. Dean nudged Claire and whispered, Have you heard this before? She shook her head without looking at him, her eyes wide as she took in the ceremony. Nope. Dean's eyes snapped back to the crowd as Maria threw her head back and howled, the rest of the wares joining in one by one. The sound was pure and deafening, and sent a bolt of visceral terror into Dean. He saw Claire flinch in front of him, and Sam stepped forward and put a hand on her shoulder. Dean felt Cass grab his hand and squeeze it, and he took strength from knowing the angel was also rattled. If he hadn't had his family here he may well have turned and bolted. The howl went on for maybe ten seconds in total, but when it was finished, the sound echoed off the hills around the town and reverberated in Dean's bones. He shivered, leaning into Cass without intending to. As he watched Maria smiling at the crowd, a commotion broke out at the back of the assembly. Someone was walking forward, shouldering their way through, with a trail of a few others at their back. When they got closer, Dean could see it was the tall, scowling man who had first met them at the steps, and he was holding something in his hands, an object like a tray or a box. He stepped free of the crowd in front of Maria as she looked on impassive. Bernd, what's this? she said, just loudly enough for Dean to hear it across the yard. Bernd, Dean guessed, spoke louder in a mid-European accent. This vow, he hissed out. It's humiliating. This is against everything wears hold sacred. The joy of the hunt, the kill, is being lost. I say we forget the vow. Come, eat, and remember who you truly are. He spun around to face the crowd when he said this, opening the cooler box with his hands, dumping what looked a lot like meat onto the ground. Dean flinched. They were hearts the murder victims. There was a scuffle and a murmur from the crowd, and while a few people seemed to hold others back, no one made a move towards the front of the yard. No one is willing to come forward. You're all enthralled to your alpha. Baron spat out in disgust. Well, not for long. 
He spun and ran at Maria, launching at her, but before Dean could react, a gunshot rang out beside him. Berndt cried out, still tackling Maria to the ground, but then lay there unmoving. A few in the crowd screamed. Then they all started moving, running in all directions. Dean stared at the muzzle of the gun that Claire was still holding up. Uh, Claire? he asked, moving towards her. She quickly tucked the gun behind her, turning suddenly panicky eyes to Dean. I, I didn't think, I just... It's okay, it was instinct. Great shot. Sam reassured her as Maria was surrounded by helpers, pulling Baron's body off of her and helping her to her feet. The heart still lay on the ground a few feet in front of her in a grisly heap, but the crowd gave them a wide berth as they moved away. Some were leaving, running around the front of the house, while others chose to disappear into the dark at the back of the lot. Something the humans should really also be doing, Dean realized. Dean murmured to the others, Stay quiet and head out. Go. But before they could move towards the front of the house, Abel stepped into their path. Dean braced for an attack, but the pack leader put up a hand, saying, Please, wait a moment. We want to thank you. Dean looked around at the others, surprised. Thank us? You killed a threat to our Alpha. Saved her life. The pack owes you a debt, Claire Novak. Dean could see Claire breathing quick and shallow, but she managed to stammer out, what? Maria had managed to shake off the last of the people trying to help her and approached, a strained look on her face. Thank you, Claire. I owe you. If you ever need anything, please let us know. Um, thanks. It was nothing, Claire muttered. Dean turned as the sheriff appeared behind them, carrying the cooler box. There was a smear of blood around the edge of the lid, and Dean noticed the curl of more than one lip from the werewolves standing with them as they saw it. I've picked up the, uh, stuff, ma'am, Sheriff Johnson said, hefting the box. I'll deal with it. Thank you, Joe, and we'll ensure that any other rogues are brought to justice. I'm so sorry this has happened. Maria reached out to touch the sheriff's arm, and he stepped back out of reach. Her lips tightened, and she looked around. Please excuse me. I need to go and make sure our pack is well. She left them, and Abel followed her with a somber nod to the group. Sam let out a sigh and then said, Let's get out of here. You don't have to tell me twice, Dean muttered, and they hurried around the front of the house and out onto the street. Before they got to the corner of Main Street, Dean grabbed the sheriff by the shoulder, forcing him to stop. Hold up, sheriff. Want to tell us just what the fuck went on back there? The sheriff turned a frown on Dean, setting the cooler on the ground and crossing his arms. Look, they keep to themselves and only take cattle now and then. We don't bother them, and they don't kill anyone. It's not ideal, and I don't really trust them. But when they step out of line, well, he turned to Claire. That's when you hunters come in, right? He raised his eyebrows. Claire just gave him a flat look. He huffed and picked up the cooler again, stomping off towards the sheriff's office. Claire gave Sam a shrug and an indifferent, What? before she also headed off around the corner. Dean let out a heavy breath. That girl. She was still just as reckless as she'd always been, but he had to give her full marks for courage and lightning reflexes. And an alliance with another werewolf pack? 
Claire had even been a werewolf for a while, a couple of years ago. He wondered what kind of trouble she could get into with a whole werewolf pack indebted to her. Claire was waiting for them outside the diner they'd walked past earlier. Want to grab a bite before we head back to Jody's? She asked, carefully looking bored. It was adorable how she still tried to be sullen. Dean glanced at Cass, then said, I could eat. I'm starved, Sam agreed, and opened the door for Claire to go in. Dean wolfed down a burger once he'd realized that he hadn't eaten anything since breakfast. He was just starting to wonder whether he could get away to a bathroom to get rid of the vibrator still in him, when the fucking thing started vibrating again. He was partway through his pecan pie and nearly sprayed his mouthful all over the table when it hit him. He choked the pie down, then turned accusing eyes on Castiel. The angel either had one of the most freaking annoying poker faces in the world, or he'd managed to turn it on by accident again, because he gave Dean a concerned look and asked, Are you all right, Dean? The vibrations were strong this time. They drilled right into his prostate, sending fireworks zinging through his body. He got to his feet, hoping they'd keep him upright until he got to the bathroom. I'm just... I'll be all right. Oh. He tried to hold in the moan, but it wasn't cooperating. He stumbled away, hearing Sam saying something about him being unwell all day. Damn right, Sammy. He'd been a hair's breadth from orgasm, edged to perfection all damn day. He had to take it out. He slammed into the tiny bathroom and locked the door, leaning back against it. Another intense vibration hit him, and he doubled over as fire raced over his skin. Feeling like he might break at any moment, he unzipped his pants and pulled out his cock, this time rock hard. Cass had to have done it on purpose this time. Hell, it might even been on purpose all day. The fucking celestial being had a millennia of practice at being a cheeky little shit. He had just taken a few strokes, biting his lips to try to keep the sounds in, when there was a firm knock on the door. Dean stilled. Dean, a voice called. Cass. Dean fumbled to get his dick back in his pants, then opened the door, yanking Cass inside by the coat lapel. Cass blinked in surprise and asked, Are you okay? Dean shut the door again and bolted it shut. Of course I'm not fucking okay. You've just been torturing me all day. He pushed the angel down on the closed toilet seat and pulled out his cock again, pumping it at pace again as the vibrator hummed along in a gentle pattern. Cass's eyes were wide and hungry as he watched Dean's hand moving along his length. Dean, I... I'm sorry. You don't think I've been the same all day. He caught his breath for a moment as Dean did the same, a particularly powerful pulse hitting him. It's been driving me crazy knowing you're going through this and I couldn't be there to enjoy it with you. Stop talking and help me here, would you? Dean gasped out then braced himself on the sink as Cass took him in hand, jerking him roughly. Dean, come. Now. At the command, Dean let out a short, aborted moan as he tensed up and came hard into the sink, the white spurt striping along the porcelain, his eyes clenched tight and mind full of white static. The toy was still in there, buzzing, and he was aware his hips were still juddering with aftershocks. Cass, Go. When he opened his eyes and looked at the angel, he was staring up at Dean with awe. Cass stood, crowding into Dean's space to kiss him forcefully. I should watch you come undone more often, Cass murmured, 
his voice rougher than ever. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot of beautiful things. Shut up and let me clean up this mess, Dean replied, leaning in to steal another lingering kiss before Cass slipped out of the room again. Dean stood leaning against the sink still, his breath slowing. He reached back and gently pulled out the vibrator, feeling absolute relief. Never again, he vowed. Not while on a case, anyway. He carefully washed the toy off with hand soap, then wrapped it in a paper towel and tucked it in a pocket, where it continued to buzz obnoxiously. Then he washed his hands about five more times, scrubbing with soap until he felt halfway clean again. I need you like a desert needs rain. I would rather like to die. As they walked out the front of the diner, Sam stopped, turning around. Just stopping at the bathroom before we get going. I'll be right there. Dean turned with a lurch as well, grabbing Sam's arm. Uh, you might want to wait until we're on the road or something. It's kind of gross in there. The last thing he needed was his brother and the small space he just blew his load. Sam gave Dean a look like he was a couple of marbles short. Dude, anything's better than roadhouse bathrooms. I promise I won't touch anything. Dean had no choice but to let him go and pray that he'd gotten everything off the sink. Claire walked beside Cass as they walked out of the door and into the cool night. The full moon shone across the parking lot, silvering the cars. Dean shivered as the memory of the howling wolf pack made a reappearance. Claire turned to them while they waited for Sam. Hey, thanks for coming to back me up on this one. Dean blinked at her in surprise. A thank you? Wow, I feel honored. Dean, Castiel said, giving him a bitch face Sam would be proud of. He spoke softly to Claire. You know we've always got your back, Claire. You just have to call. Dean melted a little at the words. He knew Cass still carried around guilt over what had happened to Claire's parents. Okay, Claire said with the quirk of the mouth that Dean knew was a grin from her. So, you said my dad's in heaven now? Cass and Dean both froze for a moment, but Cass replied, Yes, he's with your mother. They're at peace. Claire nodded, looking down at her feet. She made no move to go towards her car, so Dean and Cass waited for her to continue. He, um, know about you hooking up with Cranky here? Dean started with, Hey, but Cass held up a hand for him to be quiet. He frowned at Claire instead. No, the last time I saw him was before this. Claire nodded again, looking at Cass, then at Dean. Her eyes returned to Cass. I'm pretty sure he'd want you to be happy, both of you. And, um, so do I. Thank you, Claire, Cass said solemnly, and Dean murmured his thanks as well. Claire gave them a brief smile. You're heading back to Jody's tonight, right? Why don't you guys get going? Groot can ride with me when he eventually comes back out. Dean chuckled and grabbed her around the head for a hug. Catch you later, kid. Bye, Claire. Cass was a little more careful with his hug, but Dean knew it was just as heartfelt. They turned and headed for the far side of the parking lot, where Dean had stashed his baby as far away from the other cars as he could manage. Dean let out a long breath as he unlocked the doors. Wow, good talk. That wasn't awkward at all. 
Shashteen, Castiel said and climbed into the passenger seat. A few miles outside of town, Dean hummed along to Foo Fighters Everlong, his fingers laced with castes and resting on the angel's thigh. Cass gently rubbed the back of Dean's hand with his other hand, turning to look at Dean, then away again. Finally, Dean had to ask, What, I got something on my face? When Cass spoke, his voice was low and rough. I'm just imagining what you looked like when that thing was vibrating in there. Dean huffed a surprised laugh, but Cash shuffled closer to him on the bench, kissing his jaw and murmuring in his ear just loud enough to hear over the engine. The sounds you made. He licked and kissed at Dean's neck, pushing his shirt down to expose his collarbone. Dean's breath quickened and he could feel his dick taking an interest, despite what had gone on in the bathroom an hour previously. He wasn't sure if he could do this and concentrate on the highway at the same time. But Cass was relentless. If you were all wet inside your pants. He moved their linked hands to Dean's crotch and pressed down on his mostly hard bulge. Jesus, Cass, he breathed. Pull over, Cass said as he started trying to unbuckle Dean's belt, then latched onto the pulse point below his ear and sucked hard. Dean tried to push him away, but the guy was insatiable. Fuck. Can't you wait like an hour until we get to Jody's? Cass pulled back, and when Dean looked at him, he was staring at him, his eyes hungry in the flash of the streetlights. Dean, I have been waiting all day to fuck you, and you pull that performance in the bathroom and expect me to wait an hour. The air quotes were ridiculously adorable, but Cass continued, leaning in close to Dean's ear. Plus... I want to hear you shout. Pull over. Now. Dean nearly swerved the car as he dived down the nearest exit. Thankfully, there was an empty park not far along the new road, and he pulled into the dark parking lot while Cass did his best to get him out of his jeans while the car was still rolling. Okay, okay, stop. Let me do it, Dean said, attempting to push Cass back to the passenger side. Checking carefully out the windows to make sure they were alone and that Claire and Sam hadn't seen them turn off and followed them, wouldn't that be Fifty Shades of Awkward? He dumped his jacket over the back of the seat, then pulled his t-shirt over his head. He unzipped and shimmied his jeans and boxer briefs down, letting his cock out of the confining space, then looked over at Cass, who was still watching him like he wanted to devour him. Let me help you now, Dean said, slightly hoarse with want. He reached over and unzipped Cass's pants, then reached under the fabric to run his fingers over the satin underneath. He couldn't see in the dim streetlights, but he was pretty sure these were white satin, the ones Cass had worn when they'd first got together. And if that didn't make his cock spring to full attention, then nothing would. Dean let out a low moan, pulling Cass free from the panties and stroking him with an easy rhythm, while Cass removed his tie and unbuttoned his shirt. He reached past Dean and opened the glove box, pulling free a tube of Astroglide. He opened the cap and Dean looked up at him, asking quietly, You want me to ride you? Cass groaned and nodded, then concentrated on opening the lube. 
Dean was fairly sure he was still stretched and a little slippery from wearing the plug all day. But as Cass reached back where Dean was kneeling on the seat to run a wet finger around his hole, he was glad Cass was willing to take the time to make sure he was ready. He sighed as Cass added a second finger, increasing his pace on Cass's cock, too, leaning down to steal a deep kiss. Cass withdrew his fingers and pulled back from the kiss, gasping out, I need to be inside you. Help me here. He lifted his hips as Dean helped him to wriggle out of his trousers. The panties gleamed in the low light, and Dean put his hand on Cass's as he started to pull them down as well. Leave them on, please, he asked, resting his forehead on Cass's. Cass probably wouldn't see his flushed cheeks in the dark, but Dean still found it embarrassing how much the panties got his motor running. Very well, Cass murmured, amusement clear in his voice. Shut up, Dean said. He stopped Cass's chuckle with a firm kiss on his snarky mouth. Then he climbed onto Cass's lap, lined himself up, and sank down onto his cock. Both of them let out a long moan of pure pleasure, and when Dean bottomed out, he felt the brush of the panties beneath him. This cool sensation, this gentle whisper of a touch, this was why he wanted Cass to leave the panties on. The cool fabric on the sensitive parts of him was like an extra shot to his arousal, and he rode Cass all the way up and down a few times before Cass gasped out a cry, grabbed Dean around the hips, and started fucking up into him at pace. Dean lived for these moments, when the angel let go of his normally stoic persona and let emotion take the wheel. Even though the light was dim, Dean could still see him throw back his head, sweat gleaming on his forehead. The faint blue glow when he opened his eyes meant that Cass was close already. The angle wasn't quite right for Dean to be there with him, but he didn't mind one bit. Dean drove himself down and Cass shouted, tending up and thrusting upwards into Dean as he came. Grace flared brightly in his eyes, but thankfully nothing in the car exploded. Dean rode him through his orgasm, then stilled, letting him catch his breath. His cock lay rigid against Cass's stomach, smearing pre-cum where it had rubbed, and he wasn't quite sure if he could come again so soon after the bathroom session. His uncertainty melted away as Cass withdrew from him and replaced his cock with two fingers, slicked by lube and cum. Dean tried really hard not to think about the mess when Cass's fingers brushed over his prostate and his vision exploded in sparks. He came with a gasp within three pumps of Cass's fist, spurting all over Cass's chest. Dean came down slowly, placing soft kisses on Cass's lips as he rested on his lap. A buzzing noise from the back seat made Dean pull back and lock his eyes with Cass. Is that... Dean reached over and grabbed his coat from the back seat. It is. Is this thing actually broken, or have you been fucking with me all day? Have I? Cast asked playfully. No, I swear I turned it off each time. It must be faulty. I guess, Dean allowed as he swiveled to sit on the seat beside Cass again, wincing at the sticky mess and the well-fucked burn. Unless it's actually possessed, he added as he pulled a box of wet wipes from the glove box. In which case, I hope the ghost had a fun day up my butt. He grinned as he started mopping up the mess.
It was late by the time they were back on the road heading for Jody's, reclothed and satisfied after a stop at 7-Eleven for snacks. Cass turned away from watching the late-night highway traffic to look at Dean with that unnerving stare of his, the one that made Dean warm to his toes and feel like he was the center of every universe. Do you think we should tell Sam about the vibrator? He asked, making Dean nearly spit out his coke. What? No way. When he glanced over, Cass was still looking at him. Wait, are you serious? Why would we ever do that? Cass frowned. He thought it was bees or a buzzing insect. I feel like we should set him straight. There were no bees around today. Dean found the fact that he was so concerned about Sam freaking adorable. But instead of telling him that, he said, Dude, there are plenty of things my little brother does not need to know. And the fact that you added that crazy butt plug to our sex toy collection is one of them. Cass looked back to the highway, the frown still in place. Dean continued, Besides, I think he's got more important things going on at Jody's place, if you know what I mean. Cass paused. No, Dean, I don't know what you mean. I mean, he and Jody, they're knocking boots. Doing the horizontal tango. You know, he's, uh, attacking the fortress. Putting his wand in the Chamber of Secrets. Dean, are you suggesting they're having sexual relations? Yeah, Castiel, that's exactly what I'm suggesting. Dean replied with a grin. Cass paused for a moment, then said, Maybe we'll have some competition for the loudest in the house, then. Dean choked out a laugh for probably a few seconds too long while he was driving at speed on the highway. He reached over to grab Cass's hand again. I love you, you know that, right? I know, Cass said with a smile and a squeeze to Dean's hand. The end. Thank you so much for listening.
Thank you so much for your support. I can be contacted on Twitter, Tumblr, or at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. If you are able, please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. As always, thank you so much for listening.